Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. week was a neat week a neat week it was neat neat like my type of neat uh yeah that's right up your alley really okay so i got a new printer for work uh-huh that's not the neat part that'd be pretty damn sad really <laughs> oh that's fucking awesome billy like all right welcome to martin now um so i hooked it up well i thought i did that's the whole thing oh yeah <laughs> you, you know what i'm talking about yep so i thought i i was pretty sure I hooked it up and it connected and everything like that. Because on the printer, I put in our, the Wi-Fi password or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I want to print a test page to see how, see if it works. But I didn't want to print like an invoice that we got because invoices got a lot of ink on it and they got some weird fucking logo from the company. But it's just a waste of fucking ink. So I pulled up um, like Microsoft Word, uh, Word or something like that and I typed... I am a printer. I am self-aware. You should you should run. <laughs> and I went to print, and the printer I got was an Epson, and there was one that was green on the menu. It was green, and it said online. Had a little green, white check in it, and it said online, and it said Epson on it. Epson XF series. I was like, Epson, that's it. So I clicked on it to connect to that, and it said printing. And it said printing one of one or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I looked over and there's nothing coming out of the printer. And I'm like, man, nope. what happened? Here? <laughs> and then I saw it. The, it was Ep, the Epson XF series or whatever. Mine was Epson WF or WR series. And I was like, fuck, it didn't even connect to the printer. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> Which means somebody had an unsecure printer in the houses around the liquor store and their printer kicked on and printed out what basically amounts to a death threat <laughs> from a printer from a printer that said it's self-aware <laughs> that you should run and that they should run and they're all meth heads so and there's a lot of they took that just seriously a lot of meth around here and I could just I just pictured somebody holding that paper. <laughs> Trembling. Sitting on the floor with their knees in their chest, holding that paper, rocking back and forth, talking about Skynet and shit. And then I told Billy, that gives me a great idea. We should do that. Just take the laptop and randomly connect to people's internet and their printers and go around the neighborhood and make shit print off. Which I think we shouldn't do. I think that's highly illegal. How? So, what law? I just, there's something about that that screams like domestic terrorism to me. Like, I don't think we should do that. <laughs> I think it would be great. So, yeah, I accidentally did the coolest thing in the world last week. <laughs> and that was the best thing you could have thought ever to put in as your test page. Yeah, of all the things to type. Yeah. Well. And accidentally send to someone else's printer. What are you going to do? You know what you you know you know what you could do? What? Get attacked by a goose. Listen to this. <laughs> so real neat week. It was a really neat week. So I went to Walmart and behind their building, not to buy meth, but the part where it's like the tire lube express thing. And I went to get oil for your car. Yep. You're lucky I went. Anyway, <laughs> I got out of the car and there were two geese walking and um, I looked at it, I was like, oh, cute ducks. Like, hey, fucking other geese. You know, geese have longer necks. And attitudes. We find this out. Yeah. And I was like, hey, cute ducks. And I, I started walking and I heard, honk. And I turned and that motherfucker was already in the air. Charging. Charging at me. He like bitch smacked me with his wings. He tried snapping at me, kicked me. 
like Matrix. <laughs> and I actually screamed out, wait. <laughs> to like a was fucking goose. Like, it, like he was going to let me collect myself. Like, wait, like, we're friends. <laughs> like he would be like, oh, wait. Okay, just let me know when you're ready. No. Because it <laughs> it's a goose. In my head, I pictured like all these YouTube videos where I've watched geese attack people. And I sit there and think, geese are fucking mean. <laughs> and then I'm thinking like. I was sitting there screaming, wait, wait, wait. And I was like, not today. And gave a swift kick to that bitch ass beak he had. And then he stopped. And then he, he, he like kind of like flew and hopped away, you know, mm-hmm. went about his business. And then the other goose, who I think was his girlfriend he was trying to impress or something, uh-huh. looked at me and was like, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is going on? You messed with her boo. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, I bet you, like, I walked by, and I was like, cute ducks. And I didn't think it. I said it. <laughs> and I bet you the girl was, the female duck, the female goose was like, you gonna allow us to get away with that shit? And he was like, not today. And then he stepped up. And we had we had an epic throwdown. And I got inside, and the guy at the counter, his jaw was on the floor. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I was like, what, nothing? And he went, dude, those geese are mean. And I'm like, oh my god, they're fucking evil. He said, "Are you okay?" I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna sit down for a minute. Holy shit! Thankfully, the guy behind the counter is one of your regulars. So yeah, yeah, not a complete a, stranger. He is a cool guy, but I th- that's the price you pay for having for, for. I called and I was like, "What's your weight?" They said, "There's no weight," and I was like, "Fucking score! This is a good day." And <laughs> yep. You got attacked. That's why there was no weight. They saw the geese and they were like, fuck this. And they just kept going. Yeah. That's why it wouldn't have mattered if I went because I wouldn't let that shit happen. Not Billy. Mm -hmm. Billy got out just as merry fucking way. You know birds don't like you. That's another thing. Birds hate me. More proof. (laughs) Oh, that was a neat week, Billy. I'm going to eat roasted duck soon. (laughs) It's not a duck. It's a goose. Well, they're cousins. Kind of. Well, I'll eat a goose. Okay, eat a goose. In the parking lot. Ooh. On the hood of my car. Oh. With a plate of cooked goose. In front of the other in geese? In front of all of them, so they know what's up. <laughs> they know the score. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Martinis and the Macabre. My name's Erica. I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Billy. If you see geese, run. Shit's real in the streets. It's like Bloods and Crips, man. They'll fucking kill you. I forgot to say, this is a podcast where we discuss all things murderous and morbid and goose-laden. Huh. <laughs> In Billy's case. If you ain't looking, they'll fucking get you. They will. I, I wish I had been there to see it, because I would have laughed my ass off even more than I was already laughing my ass off. You know, we ha- we poke a lot of fun at each other, but I bet you legitimately for at least like two or three seconds, you'd have been very fucking concerned. He was ferocious. <laughs> I would have come to your aid. You'd I would have like, rescued you. Like for that split second, you'd be like, Jesus, oh my God. And then like, you'd be like, <laughs> oh, kick him. Oh, wow. But I want to see how this turns out. There'd be about three seconds where it wouldn't be like, it would be wife concerned about husband not erica laughing at billy again <laughs> it would have just so for a couple of seconds there would have been genuine concern until erica showed up maybe half a second yeah <laughs> it's fine i get it yeah all right so we're back sorry for the last episode as i said in the disclaimer in the beginning we all got very sick one uh-huh. after the other And as soon as I got over one thing, I got sick with another. So it kind of put us a little behind. So we didn't want to leave you guys hanging, leave you without an episode, have to wait a whole month to hear our angelic voices. Yeah, see, what happened was you brought, like, the flu home from work, but the kids brought the flu home from school. Yeah. So that's how you got sick, and then you got sick again. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here like it's a fucking zombie movie, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, my God. I'm going to turn any day now. I'm going to turn. This is it. Yeah. I had a sinus and ear infection and went on antibiotics. Finally got over that after suffering with it for like two weeks before I even got on the antibiotics. 
and then turn around and got sick again. Thank you, flu. So, yeah, it put us in kind of a predicament, and uh, we felt better, but it wasn't really enough time to actually record and edit and get it out to you guys on time, so. Yeah, we were starting to feel better, but the whole, like, we were too sick beforehand. Yeah. But with the research and the typing of the outlines and going over and everything like that, we were too sick for that, so, like, we were better. We started getting better. And it's like, what are we going to do? It's like, oh, fuck it. We, no, there's no way. We yeah, it was this. a time crunch. It was either be late again or give you guys some audio that maybe you haven't heard if you're not a Patreon subscriber. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And that's kind of Yeah, that's the kind of shit you can expect from us. And uh, yeah, I think we did get a new one. Amelia. Amelia, yes. Who uh, gave you guys the glorious story of Snuggle Bunny. Mm-hmm. At the end of one of our previous episodes, she is now a Patreon subscriber. She's very talented. I spoke to her on the phone all the way up in Canada. Yeah. She was in Canada. I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. She's a very sweet girl. That'd be weird if you got all the way into Canada just to talk to Amelia on the phone. While she's in Canada. Be like, just go over yeah. there. Just go over to her house and say hi. Yeah. Like, what? That would be strange. Yeah. That was a whole bunch of nothing. Yeah. A whole bunch of... Yep. Yep. Moving on. Geese are mean. <laughs> all right. So... I just happened across this story, which I'd never heard of, while I was looking for a specific type of true crime story, which I won't get into because we'll do that in a future episode. And I came across this one, and it's a little bit different. And it might be a little bit controversial, so hopefully we don't offend anyone too much. Hopefully we offend you all, but not to the point where you hate us and want to stop listening. (laughs) Why? I mean, not like, why would there be a fin? What would you have to be offended about? We're just saying what happened. Yeah, but it could be considered controversial because of the reason why people were murdered and how things were carried out with the police. And we weren't a part of that. No, no, we weren't. This is well before we were even alive. But uh, there's plenty of murders in this story, but not for reasons you would typically expect. There aren't any cheating spouses or life insurance policies to be had or even revenge to be exacted. And the killers aren't what you would expect either. We're going to talk about a string of murders that took place in San Francisco in the early 1970s called the Zebra Murders. It is a big case that I had never heard of and it's actually kind of hard to find a lot of information on in one place, which is surprising due to the sheer number of murders. So let's jump right in and talk about some murders, and there's a slew of them to go through, so we're going to kind of knock them out. It really is a whole to-do. There's a lot. If you remember our Cleveland torso murderer case, it's kind of like that, where we're going to talk about a lot of murders. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. All right, so this first little piece here isn't actually a murder, but on October 19th of 1973... A group of three black men driving in a white panel van attempted to abduct three children. 11-year-old Michelle Denise Carrasco, 12-year-old Marie Stewart, and Marie's 15-year-old brother Frank. The men were unsuccessful in the abduction and the children were able to run away before they could be put in the van. But the men weren't giving up on their hunt so easily. That evening, 30-year-old Richard Haig and his 28-year-old wife Keita were taking a stroll in the Telegraph Hill neighborhood where they lived. The same white panel van pulled up next to them, and the men jumped out and forced them into the vehicle before speeding off. During the drive, Keita was assaulted sexually in some way by two of the men. Now, Wikipedia refers to it as being quote-unquote fondled, but I read and heard in other sources during my research that she was actually raped, though it's not specific how. Richard tried to come to his wife's assistance, struggling against the captor, but was hit in the jaw with a lug wrench. Ow. Yeah, that had to sting a little bit. The van stopped near some abandoned train tracks, and Keita was dragged out of the car where she was hacked at with a machete, nearly decapitating her. Retired San Francisco Police Sergeant Lou Calabro later stated about Keita's attack, quote, They molested her, they raped her, and they eventually decapitated her, end quote. Once Keita was dead... Richard was then attacked with the same machete, taking multiple blows to the face and head. When he stopped moving, the attackers left him for dead and fled the scene. 
but amazingly, Richard was still alive. He was found staggering down a nearby road by a passing motorist, his head mangled and bloody. He was taken to the hospital and survived. Police and citizens alike were shocked by the attacks, especially since there was no clear motive. Man, good on them for taking him in, because if I saw that in the middle of the night, I'd be like, nope, this is how horror movies start. <laughs> Thanks for the ride, lady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on October 29th, just 10 days later, 28-year-old Francis Rose was driving up to the entrance gate of the University of California Extension, which is a college for furthering education for adults. A black man blocked her path and demanded a ride before shooting her repeatedly at close range, hitting her in the face and killing her. The next attack luckily didn't end in death. 26-year-old Robert Stokeman was assaulted with a gun on November 9th by a black man named Leroy Doctor. That's a weird last name, Doctor? Yeah, strange. Hmm. So, if you were to become a doctor, you'd be Dr. Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of a, of a guy I served with in Iraq. Now, I didn't serve with him, but, like, I, 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 you know, we worked together and everything. And his last name was Major, and he was a sergeant. Sergeant and, Major? Yeah. And those of you who aren't, like, military, <laughs> like, Sergeant Major is a rank. There's, yeah. There's, like, Sergeant Major, then Command Sergeant Major. And I was like, uh, he, he had me do something. I was like, Roger, Sergeant and I looked at him and was like, Major, Sergeant Major? And he was like, he was just an E5, just a regular buck sergeant. He was, mm-hmm. like, he was like, yeah, dude, I get that a lot. That's nothing new. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I stopped. I was like, well, what happens if you make Sergeant Major? He'd be like, I'll be Sergeant Major Major. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. And he said, yeah, it's pretty funny. He says, but it doesn't hold anything next to our company XO. No. Yeah. Our company XO, which is always a lieutenant. Usually mm-hmm. a lieutenant. And I said, what, what, what's up with him? He said, well, his last name's Woody. And I said, Lieutenant Woody. And he went, no, nah, when he makes your rank, Captain Woody. And I was like, Major Woody. And he said, <laughs> fuck yeah, buddy. That's how you get there. <laughs> okay. How could you not say his name and laugh? <laughs> like, even if he's in trouble. Like, if you're a Fulbright colonel, and you're like, stand before me at attention, Major Woody. <laughs> well this was a leroy doctor fortunately for our story he's not doctor doctor that's just that's just so weird like what my name is steve traveling salesman like that's not your name yeah that's weird it's strange well robert was grazed in the neck by a bullet but was able to grapple the gun away from his attacker he fired back on leroy but i couldn't determine if leroy took any rounds Leroy was later arrested and convicted for assault with a deadly weapon. A Jordanian Arab Muslim was the next victim. 53-year-old Salim Sami Arakat was taken into the restroom of his grocery store, bound, and then shot dead. Another death with no apparent motive. On December 11th, a 26-year-old man named Paul Danzig had just been released from jail that day on a drug possession charge. As he approached a payphone on the corner of Webster and Haight, a black man approached him and shot him three times in the chest. He stumbled about 20 feet before collapsing and dying on the sidewalk. The area where he was killed, near a known drug haven, had plenty of witnesses, but none could or would give a good description of the shooter. What's weird is he was in the safest place before, which is probably jail. Yeah. And, I, and I, when I read that, I wonder, like, if you got out an hour later, you'd have missed this guy totally. Mm-hmm. Just two days later, December 13th, Hey, it's your birthday. That is. 35-year-old Arthur Agnos was leaving the Potrero Rec Center after talking to the community about federal funding for a neighborhood health clinic. He was talking to two women outside when a black man approached him from behind and shot him two times in the back, the bullets puncturing his colon, spleen, and kidneys. He was taken into the home of a black family nearby and tended to until an ambulance arrived. It took more than a year for him to recover, but Art survived, later becoming the mayor of San Francisco for a term. Man, that sounds like just a good guy. Later that same night, still December 13th, 31-year-old Marietta DiGirolamo... DiGirolamo? 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 31-year-old Marietta DiGirolamo was walking along Divisadero Street when she was shoved into the doorway of a closed barbershop and shot two times in the chest. 
She tried to frantically get inside the locked door, but was shot once more in the back, a shot that killed her. God, your birthday sucks. Yeah. There were two more attacks on December 20th. A 20-year-old woman, who is referred to in sources by the pseudonym Angelo Rosselli, was shot three times by one of two men near her apartment. One bullet nicked her spine, but she survived. Later that night, 81-year-old Ilario Bertuccio was shot four times in his shoulder and chest as he walked home from his handyman job at a 7-Up bottling plant. And why the hell are you still working when you're 81 years old? That's, wow, you got some drive. Yeah. Because I am not going to be working when I'm 81. I don't even know if I'll be alive when I'm 81. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not alive when I'm 81. I've seen what 81 looks like. (laughs) It doesn't look like fun. Oh, I have a customer today. It was his 84th birthday. Mm. Was he hobbling? No. No, Really? He plays golf every day. Every day. I think the polar vortex stopped him, but aside from that, yeah, he's pretty much golfing every single day. Hmm. Well, I guess he's enjoying his retirement. And he keeps telling Unlike me, this guy. He keeps telling me he's old. Oh, yeah. I don't move like I used to because of my age. You get to where I am. I mean, we're talking like every day. And I'm like, <laughs> I get it. You're old. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this poor 81-year-old handyman was killed almost instantly. The killer struck again just two days later, the 22nd of December. 19-year-old Neil Moynihan was walking home near the Civic Center Hotel, carrying a teddy bear he had gotten for his little sister. A man approached him, shot him three times in the face, neck, and heart. The killer took off on foot up the street, cut down an alley, and came out on the next street over near a bus stop. 50-year-old Mildred Hosler was walking towards the bus stop at the time. The killer then shot her four times in the chest, killing her. On the morning of Christmas Eve, two women were walking a dog along the beach at the foot of Pacheco Street when they noticed a large bundle wrapped in tarpaulin and tied up with twine. Through some holes in the tarp, they could see flesh and smears of blood. Once the quote-unquote package was taken to the coroner's office, it was opened, revealing the body of a white male. It was missing its head, hands, and feet. The arms were held to the side of the body with wire, and the legs were bent up to the chest and also held with wire. The lower abdomen was cut from one hip to the other, and entrails were hanging out. God, guys, take a fucking break. The body was not known to be included in the ongoing zebra murders until much later, and the man was never able to be identified. He is known as John Doe number 169. Now, the next string of attacks is Ah, listed... God damn. Yeah, there's a little break but th- this next string is listed on wikipedia as having taken place on january 29th of 1974 but several sources list it as actually being december 28th or late december 1973 so it may have actually continued through december and not started back again in january this night was the deadliest night of the whole series of murders though no, that wasn't enough for you before yeah <laughs> 45-year-old Jane Holly was doing laundry in a laundromat full of patrons. Is this like the cherry on top you're doing? No. Okay. No, we're not done. Not by any means. She was doing her laundry, and a black man walked in and gunned her down. Next was a 32-year-old secretary named Tana Smith. She was shot two times in the back on the corner of Geary and Divisadero as she was walking to a fabric store. Vincent Wolin was walking home when he was shot and killed. It was his 69th birthday. 84-year-old John Bambick was shot and killed while collecting bottles and cans from the dumpsters to turn him for cash. So you got one guy in his 80s coming home from work and another guy in his 80s digging through trash just to make ends meet. It's messed up. Yeah. The last victim that night was 23-year-old Roxanne McMillian in the Excelsior District. She was carrying boxes of items from her car to her new apartment when she was shot twice in the back. She was the only one of the five that survived, but she was confined to a wheelchair after the attack. Whew! That's a lot of fucking murder. Yeah, it is. Let's take a little advert break here and get our bearings, shall we? Hey, wouldn't it be crazy if they cut me off mid-scent? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tense. <laughs> and we're back. We left off with the string of five shootings at the end of December 1973. Now, by this time, the city was in a panic, especially the white citizens, as most of these victims were white. Police were starting to see a pattern. Almost all of the victims were white and the shooter or shooters had been black. Most instances where the victims were shot, the shooter would quickly approach them, shoot repeatedly at close range, and then would flee on foot. And most of the slugs and shell casings found at the crime scenes were from a 32 caliber pistol. The police began to theorize that there was some kind of black sect or gang that required killing white people to be initiated. A special task force was created to try and solve the murders and find the assailants. The Z police radio frequency was ordered to be used exclusively for the task force. And since Z was called zebra in police forces and previously in the military, the killings became known as the zebra murders. That's why. But this also seems to take on a racial connotation to some. Why? But it was white and black. Oh. Zebra. I get it. Yeah. But it wasn't for that reason. It was for the radio station. Did I ever tell you what I learned about zebras? That they're black with white stripes? They're actually black ho- or black horses. Well, they're black and they have white stripes instead of white with black stripes or whatever. Yeah, I think you told me that. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I like stupid little facts like that. Well, no more related murders happened until April 1st, 1974. There we told go. you we weren't done. There we are. Yeah. Two Salvation Army cadets were on their break while walking to a Mayfair market a couple of blocks from the Salvation Army School for Officers Training Center. Yes, (laughs) there evidently are officers in the Salvation Army as if it were a real military. It kind of makes me think of Scientology. I had to look this shit up. I was like, what? They're trying to do good things, though. Yeah, they seriously have ranks in the Salvation Army. It's weird. Hmm. I had no clue. (laughs) Major uh, Woody. (laughs) (laughs) but anyway it was 19 year old thomas rainwater and 21 year old linda story that were walking on their break a black male that was following behind them overtook them spun around and fired four shots and then fled on foot even though police were at the scene within 15 seconds 15 seconds and initiated a manhunt the shooter couldn't be located that's the quickest police response i've ever heard of in my entire life yeah apart from the cop being there Yeah, and they still couldn't find the guy. So I'm assuming they had a car waiting nearby, or they had a park somewhere and they went straight to it. Um, yeah, so they couldn't find the shooter, but they did find more .32 caliber shell casings at the scene. Thomas died from his gunshots, but Linda survived. Thirteen days later, on Easter Sunday, there were two more shooting victims. A man named Ward Anderson and a 15-year-old student named Terry White were standing at a bus stop on the corner of Fillmore and Hayes Streets. It was the same scenario. A black male quickly approached, shot rapidly, then fled. They were both wounded, but survived. And now we're finally at the last official death in the zebra murders killing spree. About time. It happened on April 16th in the Ingleside District. 23-year-old Nelson Shields IV the son of a wealthy executive for the company DuPont, had gone to a friend's house to pick up a rug. While he was making some room in the back of the car, he was shot several times and killed. 32 caliber shell casings were found at the scene. This new wave of shootings reignited the shock and fear of San Franciscans. Tourists quit coming to the city, which hurt the city economically. People were afraid to go out at night or even go out alone during the day. Generic suspect descriptions were given to the SFPD sketch artist by Inspector Gus Correras, from which the artist drew two generic sketches. And I don't know how they thought this would work, since it wasn't the description of a specific suspect. And it's just a generic description, but for some reason they thought that was a wise idea. 
The sketches were distributed to the media and the rest of the police force without telling anyone that they were actually generic. A $30,000 reward was offered for tips that would crack the case. In addition, Mayor Joseph Aliotto and Police Chief Donald Scott announced that the force would be enacting a sort of stop-and-frisk policy, if you will, stopping and questioning black males that resemble the sketches or match the description of the suspects. Well, if it's a generic drawing, that's a pretty broad spectrum of people. Exactly. That's why I said this might be a little controversial. <laughs> It'd be like... If it was if it was a white guy, you know, they'd be like, "Boy, well, look like, well, he had brown eyes or blue eyes or green eyes. How tall is he? Yeah, five six to six two. What was his hair color? He either didn't have any or he had some, and it was lighter or it was dark. <laughs> any, anything else? He had fingers and toes. Yeah, as like, far as I'm aware, they were that, in shoes. Is that all, sir? Yep. And um, he had a nose. And he. It could have been big or little. And he shot that guy. All right. <laughs> Well, the description. Thank you, sir. Oh, I'm just doing my part. Well, the description they were looking for was a black male, 20 to 30 years old, five foot nine to six foot, medium build, with a short afro and a narrow chin. Once these males had been stopped and cleared, they would receive what was referred to as a zebra check card that they could show officers in the future if they were to be stopped again. Over 500 men were stopped by the first weekend that the practice was enacted. This, of course, started a shitstorm. Many black people felt that this type of profiling was unfair and violated the rights, and there was a public outcry to have the practice stopped. The government and police tried to explain that these were exceptional circumstances they were faced with, as over a dozen people have been killed, that they were relating to this string of killings at the time, and many others were injured. The black community claimed that this type of profiling was not done for white citizens when the Zodiac Killer suspect sketches were released. That's a good point. But they didn't mention that it was done in the case of a serial rapist referred to as the Knob Hill Rapist shortly before this string of killings. Oh, well, okay. Never mind. So it's kind of, eh, well, you can't really say, well, you didn't do it here, but let's not talk about that one here. It's that yeah. kind of thing. And he's fucked up all around. Yeah. The suspect in that case was white, and he was eventually caught in the spring of 1983. But the white men stopped for that case weren't even given cards to show they were cleared. So, if you're comparing apples to apples, where they're stopping black men and white men, in a way, the black men are getting a card that they can at least show to the police after they've been cleared. The white men weren't getting that. So it's kind of, yeah, it sucks all around, but... I mean, the whole the whole thing just... Yeah, it's just... Fuck. <laughs> I mean, but... This falls into that gray area. Is it unfair to me to be stopped and questioned? Or is it necessary for the greater good of the community? This is something that was widely debated after the Boston Marathon bombing here in the U.S., when areas of the city were shut down and SWAT teams literally went house to house hunting the bombers. So I personally feel, and this is just my opinion, what happened at the Boston Marathon bombing was something very significant. They were pretty sure they had them in this specific area. And if I had lived in that area, I would not have had an issue with them coming into my home, ushering me out and checking my home. That's just me. Yeah, but I guess see both sides because I knew it's like that's something that had to be done, you know, because what happened was horrible. It had to be done, and it had to be done in this time frame. But you're also watching on TV Humvees going down roads and people being pulled out of their houses, and they're on their knees with their hands behind their head. You're wa you're watching that. And you're like, okay, like I get it, but this is what I'm what I'm seeing is fucked up. It's to me, it's fucked up because that's what our world is coming to. Yeah, it's that fucked up that we have to resort to this. Yeah. So if you think about it in that aspect, they've got dozens of people that have been murdered in like what a four or five month time span, six months maybe, dozens of people killed by this kind of general demographic of person. Is it okay to then? Stop and at least talk to people that match that description. Yeah, but still, like, I I could see somebody. That's the thing, though, is the description. 
Sister Yourself, it was generic. Yeah, that's so the like, part I don't like, is that they're doing it based off of a generic description. Yeah. But then again, they don't know if they've got one killer or ten killers. Yeah. Uh. Because a lot of these, it's just a sole one black man running up and shooting people. But like in the case of the husband and wife, it was a group of three black men that put him in the van and, you know, did all that. Mm-hmm. So plus it was suggested that more than one was at it because of how they like 13, 15 seconds and then he was already gone. Yeah. Somebody helped him get away or, or, or they're a wizard. <laughs> it's quite possible that they were wizards. They rule out wizard. I don't know if they did. I didn't see that in my research. Well, that's where they're falling short. It's called or maybe de- it's called detective work assholes. Maybe they did. Maybe that's what they're not releasing to the media. What if you like? I'm not trying to make light of it, but what if you like? We ever shot somebody? And that is like, make a high, make a honey ho, and then just disappeared. <laughs> Poof. And the cops like, where'd he go? Like, I don't that. I don't. You left. Right, I don't know. He says some weird shit, and then he disappeared. <laughs> All right. So, regardless- for those of you that don't know, that's from a docu series, um, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, excellent docu series. You should check it out sometime. A little on the old side, but it still holds up. Oldie but goodie. Yeah. So, uh, regardless of how we feel about it, many have big issues with it. I understand. The NAACP and ACLU filed a lawsuit asking for a stop to the zebra stops of black males. It went to court, and a U.S. district judge ruled it unconstitutional, and the practice was stopped. But that didn't keep police from cracking the case. A snitch blew it wide open for him. A black man by the name of Anthony Harris called police wanting to talk about the case about a week after the generic sketches were released. Despite not looking like either of the sketches, he believed that he was one of the men in them and had been found out. I think you guys pinned me. That one's me. And they're like, that doesn't look a thing like you, Anthony. He's like, no, it's me. He, he like showed up at the station like, you got me. You guys got me. Got you uh, for we what? Got, got what, sir? Huh? Uh, what? We got you in the building, and um, how are you? <laughs> well, feeling pretty found out right now. Top-notch police work. You gumshoes. I want to think he said gumshoes. Mm. Like, oh, thank you for... Um, what is it you're... For what you said. What? Who are you again? <laughs> in the picture! Which what we have a lot. Picture. We have a lot. What? He really likes to draw. <laughs> what are we talking about here? He really <laughs> likes to draw. <laughs> He's always got that pencil in his hand. He's crazy with it. What are we talking about? We're talking about the lost dog. <clears throat> you know where the lost dog is? There's a fifty dollar fifty dollars on that. You got any information? Hey, nineteen seventy three fifty dollars. I got here for the, the zebra killings. You drew a picture of me. Where? That doesn't look anything like you, Anthony. Get Frank up here. Frank, did you draw him? Yes, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> if you're speaking generically, then yes. <laughs> In generic terms, <laughs> maybe so not. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. So, Sergeant, who's this guy? I don't know, but um, I think we cracked the case. He's saying we cracked the case. I guess we're good. Yeah. So good we didn't know it, actually. He called us gumshoes. Heard that in a while? Gumshoes? Gumshoes? Yes, Frank. Gun, gumshoes. How about that? Draw a picture of that. Draw a generic picture of that, Frank. Well, uh, It makes me think of the movie, or the documentary. Seven. Mm, of course. You're looking for me. But he was the guy that did it. He was covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. This guy is like, just had a burger. <laughs> He's like, that's my picture. No, it's not. It's not. I wonder if it was a whole group. If it's a whole group of people, and they were just like, "Hey, man, that's you on the TV. They got your ass." And he's like, "Nah, that could have been anybody." Because literally, it was a generic picture. Mm-hmm. Really, could have been anybody. And they're like, "Nah, dude, they got you." And like after like an hour, he was like, "You guys really think they got me?" Yeah, man, you should go down there. Think I'll get the reward? Man, I don't know. You could ask. <laughs> well, that was the other thing. Is aside from him feeling that he. Had his spitting image plastered all over the town. There was a $30,000 reward that was pretty enticing, especially in 1974. So if you did it, 
Do you still get that reward? Well... I mean, you are giving information that's helping in the case. We'll get to that in a second. So, Harris was an employee at the Black Self-Help Moving and Storage. And yes, that's the real name of the business, and it's not because someone's last name is Black. It's Black Self-Help Moving and Storage. Just like you would think of, in your mind right now, it's for Blacks. (laughs) And that's why they named it that. (laughs) They (laughs) self-segregated. That's weird. This business was owned by the Nation of Islam. Harris confided that there was a group of black Muslims known as the Death Angels who had been committing the assaults and murders. The group had a point system for killing whites and what they considered to be dissenting blacks. So I'm going to read a little passage from the book Zebra written by Clark Howard about the case. This is what this specific group believed. Quote, Oh yeah, this shit. A thousand years ago, near the holy city of Mecca, there lived an evil black leader named Jacob. Jacob. He desired to create a race of weak people that he and his ancestors could rule forever. To do this, he began to study the black race. He learned that in every black man, there exists two germs, a black germ and a brown germ. He found a way to separate the brown germs from the black germs, and he put the brown germs into all the healthy, strong girls among his followers who were at least 16 years of age. Sounds very technologically advanced for somebody that's a thousand fucking years ago. Exactly. As they produced babies, he had the black ones separated and fed to wild beasts, but he had the brown ones carefully nursed and raised to adults. When he passed a law that blacks who were alike could not marry, only those who were unalike could marry. Black had to marry brown, dark had to marry light, and light had to marry lighter. Yakub was pleased because he saw his people becoming weaker and weaker, while he and those who ruled with him remained black and strong. This is verbatim. For 600 years, there continued this process of grafting brown from black and lighter brown from darker brown, until finally the original black blood had thinned so much and become so weak that the germ it carried lost all its color and became white. Weak, wicked, white. It continues. By the time the descendants of Yakub realized what had been done, it was too late. The grafted white devils had spread over the earth and were teaching lessons about a new mysterious god that no one could see until after death. Soon, 85% of the people on earth were being taught about this mystery god. They were being taught by 10% who were clever and crafty and desired to lead them. Only a scant 5% of the Earth's population remain righteously believing in the true God, Allah. Don't you see Allah after death? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you see Yakub anytime you want? or you... He must live a long fucking time because it's been hundreds of years. You'd think he'd figure out a way to live longer if he knew how to do all this shit. For 400 years, these white infidels have spread their false religion over the land like a great dirty plague trying to put out the light of Allah. Christians and Jews alike are guilty of setting up rivals to Allah. Both are black slave-making religions dedicated to the mental destruction of the black man. They are the enemies of Allah, and they are the sole people responsible for leading astray nine-tenths of the world's black population. End quote. For those of you just tuning in and you decided to push that little buffer bar all the way to this point, this was a quote. This isn't <laughs> something that we believe in or anything. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, oh, what's this all about? And they skip and to this part and they hear this. I don't like to bash any religion, but he weeded out the white from the black. And we led nine-tenths of the black people astray, and it's all our fault. I'm just, I... No, this makes any sense. I don't... So, are, are we, like, are we, like, break... break Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad? Yeah, like a scientist made us. Uh, An evil black scientist, evidently, according to Yakub. Okay. (laughs) That was, for some reason, trying to harm his own people, and in doing so, harmed his own people, and then blamed us for it. Is this like tough love or something? I don't get it. Uh, Anyway, okay. We're not here to bash... Anyone's religion 
or a lack of religion, but this to me sounds as nutso as Scientology. They bred out the evil white, so all whites are inherently evil. Anyway, that's why they were killing white people or people that didn't believe the same as them. The dissident blacks or, you know, the the Muslim man in the grocery store who wasn't a black Muslim that believed like they believed. Yeah, at this point, it's like, hey, whatever you need to believe to make you sleep at night, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Well, Harris, this is getting back to that point about your reward money. Harris denied having actually killed or attacked anyone. He said he was present for several murders and could provide details of the crimes, but he didn't actually do them. So I can get that 30000 right? Because I didn't do it. I was just a witness. Well. Do you really think he was just a witness if he was there? Does he get to keep the money, though? Yeah. Oh, he got the money? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he got to. So, uh, he admitted to police that the headless body found on the beach was one of these killings and the man had been homeless. The guy that they didn't really relate to the zebra killings. Uh He said, yeah, he was one of those. This is how John Doe number 169 was added to the list of the serial murders. The details Harris gave of John Doe's death were horrifying. He said the group had kidnapped him from Ghirardelli Square and brought him back to Black Self-Help Moving and Storage's warehouse. He was gagged, tied up, and while still conscious, the men took turns hacking away at his limbs until he bled out. His body was then dumped in the bay. Harris gave details of other murders as well, along with the names of suspects and addresses they could be found at. All he wanted was the $30,000, immunity from prosecution, and new identities for himself, his girlfriend, and her child, which he was given. Huh. He was put up in a hotel in hiding, but the Nation of Islam found his location. A group of NOI strongmen, the ones sent in to do the dirty work, swarmed on the building, but Harris was able to be snuck away by a police inspector before anything bad happened to him. Arrest warrants were issued, and simultaneous raids were carried out in the pre-dawn hours of May 1, 1974, at the suspects' homes and the Black Self-Help Moving and Storage Facility where many of them worked. Out of seven arrests on that day, four men were released for lack of evidence. One of those men was the manager of the storage facility, a man named Tom Manny. It was discovered that he had loaned both his Cadillac and his illegal 32 caliber pistol to others that were then used to commit several of the crimes, but I guess they couldn't prove that he knew what they were going to do with the car and the gun, even though these were used in the process of murdering all these people, but there's not enough evidence. Let me get your gun and your car. Okay, what for? Don't worry about that. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not enough evidence to You know best, them. buddy. Sure, he was none the wiser, right? Did anybody tell you you have a generic looking face? <laughs> He was as completely removed from the situation as Anthony Harris was. I didn't know nothing. You can't charge me. Can I have 30 grand? Make me go away. The four men that would face charges were Manuel Moore, Larry Green, Jesse Lee Cooks, and J.C.X. Simon. They were charged with multiple counts of first-degree murder and attempted murder involving the cases we've covered. The mayor said in a prepared statement, quote, The local group is a division of a larger organization dedicated to the murder and mutilation of whites and dissident blacks, end quote. At the time, the police had compiled a list of 73 names of murder victims from all over the state that were believed to be connected to the Death Angels, but they thought the number of murders could be upwards of 80 or more. Multiple suspicious disappearances that might have been linked were reported to authorities as well, which is why it's so amazing to me that this isn't a bigger story than what you can find. Yeah. The trial began on March 3rd, 1975, and would be the longest running and most expensive criminal trial in California at the time. It lasted a year, and over 100 witnesses were called to the stand, including the snitch himself, Anthony Harris, who testified for 12 days. Despite the fact that many believed the Death Angels to be only a group of men that happened to be black Muslim, and not necessarily taking orders from the Nation of Islam, the Nation of Islam paid for all of the attorneys for the accused. 
except Jesse Lee Cooks. He had pleaded guilty, which meant that he had succumbed to the white man's law, and they weren't about that. That's not their bag. Yeah. They don't dig it. So they didn't pay for his lawyers. In the end, all four of the men were found guilty on multiple charges and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. And what I've gleaned from multiple sources is that Simon died in prison in 2015 and Moore died in prison in 2017. As far as I know, Green and Cooks are still serving their time now into their late 60s or early 70s. And no further murders have ever been declared publicly to be absolutely linked to the zebra murders or the death angels, although I'm sure there's probably a lot more that they just haven't definitively linked to them. And that's one of the craziest mass serial murder sprees I had ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, why is this not more well known? I mean, that's a lot of murders in a short period of time. <laughs> Maybe it's the whole tourism thing. Bury it. Maybe. I mean, because you got like um, Unit 731. There's a lot of Japanese people now who know nothing about Unit 731. Yeah, because and they I, were horrible. I actually, I mean, I know there's, you know, you can get paid uh, access to old newspaper, you know, <clears throat> releases and stuff on certain sites. So I don't, I don't do that because uh, basically I don't want to pay for a bunch of old newspapers if I'm only going to use them every once in a while for the, yeah. the show. But as far as publicly released, you know, newspaper articles and stuff that I could find on the internet, I really couldn't find a whole lot. Most of this was like, YouTube, Wikipedia, um, a few, like, articles on kind of alt-right, almost neo-Nazi sites and shit. I'm probably on some list now. See? And that's why I have a problem <laughs> with research is because I'm currently in the market for a Glock 19. And I got to thinking, like, if I go to buy this and they pull up my internet history search for some reason for, like, a background check... It's going to come up bad. <laughs> and, I, and I can't be like, no, guys, it's for research for a podcast, you know. So anything that you want me to look up, just keep that in mind. Like, hey, can you look something? i be like, no, not, no, give me your phone. I'll look it up on that. Yeah, sadly, a lot of the information that I got for this came from kind of white-leaning websites that I didn't realize were white-leaning until I actually started looking at the entire website, not just the story I was reading. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you realize, you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, no, this no. is not where I want to be. Ugh, no. I, I made a mistake. I, I don't go. think like you people. No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. We hope you guys like that. And if you did, you can get on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It's one of the best ways to help us. It really helps with the visibility of the show. It makes us easier to find. We know it can be a pain in the ass, but we would really appreciate it if you could do that. It would be so super awesome. And thank you to all that have already done so. If you haven't yet, send us a screenshot of your review, no matter where it's at. Give us your address, and we'll send you a sticker. Please check out the other great podcasts on the Murderly Network and show them some love. You can find all of us at murder.ly while you're on the interwebs. If you'd like to be a real baller and financially support the show, please go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinis and macabre and make a pledge. Even a $1 pledge gets you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show, just like the episode you heard last time where we put two of our Patreon episodes on there. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies. And once again, thank you to all of our patrons. I'm not going to list you all individually this time because when I wrote out this outline, that was a couple of weeks ago, and I know we've gotten some new ones since then, and maybe some have dropped off. So thank you, all of our lovely patrons, especially our baller show. We're, we're going to get a revised list here Yes, soon. I need to revise the list, especially since the beginning of the month. But thank you all so much. You have our undying love. And if you don't want to make a recurring donation to us, you can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link on our website, which is martinisinthemacabre.com, and it's near the bottom of the homepage. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at martinisinthemacabre and on Twitter at martini underscore macabre. Be sure to join our fan page on Facebook as well at friends who like martinis in the macabre. And while you're there, let us know your thoughts on the stop and frisk policies that are so hotly debated. You really think it's 
Okay, if it's necessary for the greater good, or is that going too far in our personal rights? Let us know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it should be an everyday thing. I think if it gets to that, then you, like... I think in extreme situations where you've got this many deaths, I wouldn't care if it was a white murderer that they were describing. I wouldn't care if it was any murderer. If it it got to where they needed to do that, I'd be like, wow, it must be pretty bad. Yeah. You have to do that. Exactly. Anyway, let us know what you guys think. Reach out, interact, share. And, of course, sharing our pages, posts, and tweets helps get the word out. It helps us grow organically, so please share away. And visit our website, martinisandthemacabre.com, to learn a little bit about us. You can listen to our complete episode catalog or listen to all the songs created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. And I'm probably going to put one at the end of this episode, but it might be a repeat because I don't think I have any new ones from them. But I'll throw one in here anyway. We'll go back and just go through the whole cycle again if we have to. Or if you or someone you know has a song you'd like to put at the end of the podcast, throw it at us. We'll see if it sticks. Yeah. But anyway, as far as Minimus Noah goes, be sure to find his first official album release called Views on iTunes. That's V-I-E-W-S. It's on iTunes, Spotify, many other music providers. And uh, you can find all of those links on our music page on the website as well. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisandthemacabre at gmail.com or you can use the contact page on the website. So uh, with all that said, I think that about wraps it up. Once again, thanks for listening. Stay safe, snuggle bunnies, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.
I was attacked by omega-5 acids. What? I was attacked by omega-5. Omega-5? But my, my wounds are okay. They were only super fish oil. Oh, my God, Billy. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh, there's no you in awesome, but there's a me.